This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Bradford. Baseball isn't boring in large part because of people like Daniel Bard, who is one of the best pitchers in the world. I have proof of that because he is going to be be playing against some of the best players in the world in WBC for Team USA. Strown across his chest. He's had a couple different jerseys. Um, Right now he's sitting in front of his Red Sox jersey. He's been wearing the Rockies jersey. But now Team USA. Oh, man, look at that. Look at that. What what do you think? You, you, you are you going to frame are you going to frame your team USA jersey? Um I'm going to put it on first and wear it and play some games in it and then we'll see where that goes. <laughs> see if it see if it warrants framing after. That. I got I got to pitch good in it, you know. You frame <laughs> things that have good memories, so let's form the good memories first and then we'll go from there. What not what do you have a number? <laughs> This is this is this is our breaking news for the podcast. What is your Team USA number? No idea. Ooh, great question. I don't know. I had I've had a uh, one conversation with the GM and one conversation with the manager. Yeah, and uh, that's where we're at. So did they <laughs> and I have a, a report date. <laughs> uh, what's your report so, date? What's your report date? Uh, I think our first workout is uh, March seventh. Okay. Um, so it's like right. They're pretty much letting us. They're letting us get ready with our, our 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 ball clubs for three weeks, and then everyone will go to Scottsdale, or if you're not already there, and uh, we'll get a couple workouts as a team, a couple practice games against MLB teams, and then I think rock and roll like four four days into it. Did you demand to be closer for the team? Absolutely not. <laughs> you seen that roster? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Gonna shoot it would be your really shot. Cool. Yeah, and it would be cool. No, I, I, I told them I'll pitch whenever they want me to pitch. Uh, I, I don't think it matters on this team. You know, that, that was one thing 
DeRosa said, he goes, I got, I got four closers waiting at the end of that bullpen. I'm just trying to figure out how, what order to put y'all in. So I'm just happy to be a part of the conversation. Um, if I'm in the ninth, I'll embrace it and uh, do my thing. But I mean, they're in the sixth, you know, getting us out of jams. I, I, that'd be fun too. Did you almost, I'm just thinking of this off the top of my head. So I apologize if this is a bad question. So I'm thinking of other WBCs you could have possibly played in. I think they had one in 2009, correct? I, you pretty, were just, I think you, I Sam. Yeah, it was my first big league camp. Mm. So I think I sandwiched my time where I was maybe a candidate between two of them. Okay. You know, 9, nine 10, 11. I think maybe the next one was like in 13-ish. And I was kind of like struggling, so I was not really a candidate then. Okay. Okay. So here we are. So here we are. Well, I know it's it's I I'm I'm pretty excited for it. I'm I'm pretty I'm ready to go because I remember you remember going to WBC and I told this to um your manager. I've told this to the former GM of the Puerto Rican team, which is now the Red Sox manager. I've I was always skeptical of the WBC, Dan. I was always skeptical because remember that I think it was that 2009 team that you were on. Daisuke, you know, you remember, you know where I'm going with this? Daisuke worked out with Team Japan and then he showed up and he was throwing like 80 miles an hour. And oh, really? Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. I, I remember like 09, that was my first big league camp in Boston. And um, that was a really good team. And like half our team left for, for the tournament. You know, we had, I think, Pedroia, Jason Bay, Ortiz. Euclid, um, but Euclid but, 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 but and Euclid got hurt. They actually came back early. Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I know it was a good chunk of guys. It was like it gave us young guys a lot more playing time in spring training, which is good. Um, but yeah, I think I was so focused on just trying to make it, you know, and establish myself as a big leaguer that I, I think I watched like the big games, maybe you know, because mm-hmm. you got nothing else to do in the afternoons, but. That was the second one, I think. So it's, it's I think it's grown a lot since then, man. I, I, oh, I actually, yes. I wasn't really watching baseball in 2018, the last time they did it. And I went back and watched some of the highlights from those after, you know, I found out I was playing and I was like, oh man, this is like turned into something pretty cool. So yeah. we got yeah. more pumped up to do it. So did you, uh, did you, was this, when did this get on your radar? Uh, as far, I mean, I, I think end of last year during the season, um, <clears throat> I think I, I put a bug in some people's ears and said, hey, if you know anybody, like I didn't know who to talk to or anything. I was like, hey, if you know anybody who's helping pick that team, like tell them I want in. And I don't know if that helped at all. And eventually I think the fall rolled around. My agent um, asked me if I wanted to. And he's like, okay, let me make a couple of phone calls and you know, I think that got me on a list maybe. And then they narrowed the list down. I don't know. I don't know how it works on the inside, but, uh, it was, yeah, it was kind of just, to put it out in the universe and hope for the best. So where were you? Well, there you go. You threw it out there and it came back. So when it come back, smack you in the face said, here, you're on team USA. How did that happen? Who called well, you? Where I went you? through, there was, <laughs> this is, this is probably not good to say, but so, yeah, I mean, I, once I kind of figured out like, Hey, I have a chance to be on this team and, looking at who could potentially be on it. And I'm like, you know, I, I should be on this team, you know, like, I don't, I don't usually say that stuff. I was like, you know what? 
based on how I threw last year, I feel like I deserve it. And, and then they were announcing names, they were announcing names, they were announcing names and I hadn't heard anything. And I said to my wife, I was like, this, I'm getting screwed again. Like, it's just like the all-star game, <laughs> which in hindsight, I got, I'm over it now, but uh, <laughs> it was funny. We, we had this one, or I had a conversation with my wife where I got like heated about it. I was like, they're screwing me because I'm old. It's because I'm old and I have that gap in my career and nobody, nobody respects it. And then like, it was, I think it was a day later, I got a call saying, Hey, we want to have you. Do you want to do it? And I just like told my wife, started laughing. So, but man, did you feel guilty? You feel like, uh, like, <sighs> All that crap talk oh, yeah. the day before. <laughs> Absolutely. I was being, yeah, I got, I became a diva real fast. No, I, I think it, if anything, it just, that told me how much I wanted to do it. You know, yeah. I tried to act like it wasn't a big deal. It's like, yeah, it's just this tournament. You know, it's going to be a stress on the arm anyways. And trying to talk myself out of wanting to do it. And then I realized I got mad and I was like, no, I deserve to be there. Let's, I, I want to do this. And I got mad that I hadn't been added. And then they added me the next day. Well, it's, it is like compared to what it used to be. It is sort of, this feels more like where all the cool kids are hanging out. You know what I'm saying? Like before it was, eh, I don't want to play. I don't want to pull an oblique. I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to get like all the things that you were saying for those 24 hours or whatever it was. But now it, it is where all the cool kids are. It's the cool kids lunch table. Have you seen that roster, the hitters roster? Yeah, well, I think I think Trout, I mean, both of them really all of it. You got you got yeah. Hall of Famers on both sides of the ball for sure. Yeah, um, the hitters. The, I mean, that lineup is absurd. Uh, I don't know how, if you can make a lineup better than an All Star lineup, but this might be it. <laughs> it's like pretty close. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, then you got I don't know Kershaw, Wainwright. Uh, the I'm I'm excited to see some of those young uh bullpen arms we got, you know, uh Williams, Tate, probably leaving people out. Um anyways, just a lot of good arms. It's gonna be fun. Wait, um so who told you? Who ended up telling you? Was it um, or no, Tony uh, Regan's? I believe yeah, it was Regan's called me. Okay. All right. Yes. Regan, so- Regan's called me. So which would you have rather get the call for that or the all-star game? Like, like when I'm not talking about now, because obviously you're going to say this, right. But I'm talking about no. honest, true serum, which was, you going to get the I, more excited for get, I think this is better for me. I think this is better because the games we're going to play are the actual cool part. You know, the cool part about being an all-star is getting the call. You're an all-star and getting to walk a red carpet. Like, you know me, I'm not going to, I don't want to walk a red carpet. Like I'll do it, but I don't, it's, that's not, um, that's not me. Hey, what are you wearing? I don't, that's not me. Um, Sears. So this is like, this is cool. Cause you get picked for something and then you get to go play in some really cool games, you know, yeah. that means something and that a lot of people are going to be tuned into and, and um, like I said, being a part of that roster and that lineup, hopefully we have a, a gold medal at the end. Um, it's not as cool if you're walking away without a medal or not the medal you want. But, um, you know, I view this as, you know, I haven't had a chance to pitch. Of all the things I've done since I came back a couple of years ago, uh, I'm really proud of it, but I have not got to pitch in the playoffs. So this is probably for now, you know, until we – 
do it ourselves with the Rockies. This is the closest thing I'll get to a playoff atmosphere. Okay, so here's here's the uh, here's the problem: is that <clears throat> when you're in the playoffs, it's in October. I don't know if you know this. It's in October, and you've played an entire year. You've pitched. You've prepared. You're conditioned. This is like you gotta you gotta hurry up. I mean, that's one of the things that, like, even for the position players, this is how these guys got hurt. Now, I'm not saying you're going to – listen, you're going to have a great time. I'm not being a Debbie Downer here. But but I guess the qu- – I let's start over. How are you preparing to amp ramp up faster this for something like this, like you said, which is going to be so intense? Well, comparing it to playoffs, I mean, just think about how fresh you're going to be, you know? Well, that, yeah. You're not Man, on your 80, 80th inning of the year. Um yeah, I mean, I, I've thought about that. And luckily, I usually throw the ball pretty well in spring the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten, I've been able to ramp up pretty quick and get my velo where it needs to be. So um, I'm hopeful to be there again. You know, I'll probably, I'll probably start facing hitters um, a couple of weeks earlier than I normally okay. would. All right. Okay. Which, which player, not, not, not on Team USA, would you, would you most want to face? In, in 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 the in the gold medal game, like in game on the line, you're closing the game. This is what it's all about. Which which hitter? Which hitter? Um, you're supposed you know, to like Otani, o- Otani would be pretty cool. Have you faced um, him before? I have not. Uh, I pitched against the I pitched against the Angels in in 2020, but missed. Either he wasn't in the lineup that day or missed his part of the lineup. So um, that'd be a cool one. Um, obviously, there's a few names in that Dominican lineup that, you know. They're all over the place. pretty cool, too. It's everybody. Is, it's crazy. Is Tatis, is Tatis playing? I doubt it. Is he eligible? Is he eligible? I don't know. I, I mean, can't remember. I think he's hurt or he's coming back from injury. Oh, or, I don't know. oh okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. But um, yes, I'm just trying to get you ready. I'm trying to get you pumped. Pumped? You have to worry about that. All right, all right. Just you know, that's what I'm here to do. Um, <laughs> all right. So you had mentioned throwing hard. You know, one of the things I was thinking about the other day, Daniel, is that I remember we were talking about spring training with somebody, or or maybe not even spring training, but I remember like how you know when you threw 99. You threw a hundred. How it was like save your ticket stubs. There's this guy throwing ninety nine and a hundred. Can you think back? Listen, I've never thrown ninety nine and a hundred, so I don't know what it's like. Especially back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, or whatever it was. But can you think back about how different that was? Like, or could you remember that sense of holy mackerel? Like nobody throws that hard, and now, like half the league throws that hard. Is that weird for you to think? Yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> I've worked really, I've worked really hard to maintain my velocity, and the rest of the league is just like close the gap. Um, so now I'm just like maybe a tick or two above average. <laughs> but no, I think when I came in, I broke in the league in '09, and the average fastball, I, I looked it up. I think it's it was a little under 91. It was like 90.8, 90.9. Really? So, yeah, and I was averaging, you know, around close to 98. So I was like seven miles an hour above the league average fastball. 
which makes your fastball look really hard to hitters. Yeah. And now, now I think the league average fastball is a little over 94. Yeah. And I, and I think the right-handed reliever average fastball is over 95. So really? now I'm now I'm like and two two miles an hour above the I don't know it's basically you better do something else good because you can't but, get off just just velo anymore. So that's there you go. And this is my segue to building you up and to making you feel even better about yourself than you you already are. Which is look at what you've become. Like look at what you've become in terms of the yeah you still throw hard, but you every why everyone finally threw as hard as you did, you outwitted them and said, I'll show you, I'm going to become an even better pitcher. Does that make you feel better? Did, did I build yeah, you up? I mean, I've had to, uh, yeah, Josh Beckett used to say when he got old, and I mean old, but he, over 30. Yeah. But he was pit, pit, he was still throwing 95 for a starter back then was really hard. But he'd say he was pitching with guile. Right. <laughs> he was out there you know, flipping way more curveballs and change ups and all that, learning a cutter and now that's that's what I do. I throw cutters and I got three different deliveries I use, like high leg kick, no leg kick, slide step. Uh I, yeah, I thought that I I literally break out every trick I can think of. Do you really? Like, yeah, I mean it's it's not to the point of like Nestor over in New York. Yeah. Um I don't think mine looked that funky, but for me, it feels like I'm all over the place. But yeah, I mean, I try to change, I change speeds with my breaking ball, uh, try to mess with the timing with the delivery. And that's kind of my way of, that's my way of finesse pitching. I don't so, know. How to, I don't ever have pinpoint command, so I got to do it other ways. So do this for me. If you're introducing yourself in some broadcast for the world baseball classic and you say Daniel Bard, university of North Carolina, I pitch with grit, gut, and guile. You know, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, it's. I think it's a testament to you. I think it's a testament. We've talked a lot about your, you know, your story and overcoming everything, and in you know, and I'm so appreciative of you of you sharing all that stuff and in, in previous conversations with us. But you know, it's about the here and the now, and the here and the now is like you're a really, really good pitcher. Like you're, and I mean, I feel like. It's funny because we talk about how hard you threw, and I remember saying, like, this guy is a weapon. Like, this is the guy who you're going to bring in at that time. This is back in 2009. First and third, and you need strikeouts. That's your weapon right there. Not your closer, but your weapon. And now, like, you're – I think you're – would you say you're probably a better pitcher? Like, you're a better pitcher, a more effective pitcher than even then. Right, I definitely know what I'm doing more than I used to. Yeah, I just I was just throwing in. I was like, I got, I know I can throw hard, and I got, I know one way to spin a, a decent slider. I'm just gonna do those, and whatever the catcher puts down, pretty much follow that. Okay. And now, now, like I said, I'm, I'm more creative with with shapes of my pitches, the changing speeds with within the pitch, even changing the delivery, all stuff I couldn't imagine doing at 20 five years old. And I think a lot of that is I, I didn't have the freedom to do it. I didn't have the mental freedom that comes with just getting older and being okay. Fail. Like, I mean, I've, I've failed as much as anybody. So like, you know, if I throw a pitch away, I've never thrown it before in a game and it gets hit or I end up walking a guy on it. I have to be, you have to be okay with that 
failure, right? In order to do it the right way, got to be like, okay, this might not work and that's okay, but I think it's going to work. And you got the freedom to do that on a big league mound in a situation where, you know, a lot of people are watching and the game's on the line. And I think it's, it's a lot more fun pitching with that mental freedom than it is trying, trying to like be like, okay, I know if I do this perfect set of, of mechanics, I can lead to this perfect pitch. It's like, I know, just put that away. Just be an athlete. Um, move how you want to move on the mound. Play with your pitches. Um, know, know where you're good. Like, know what you're good at, but also don't be afraid to kind of try new things. And I think that's what makes me better now than, than I was before. So were you that way even when you got rolling, when you came back? You know, we talked about when you came back, were you that, were that way right away from your experiences or were, is that something that has even evolved in the last couple of years? I, I do think I had it in 2020, to be honest, because it was like everything was so new. And I think that was that mentality that I got from being away from the game and coaching it and, and trying to teach it to other guys, teach that mental freedom. Um, I think I had it in 2020 because it was such a weird year and it was short and it was like a whirlwind and everything was going pretty well. And then at 21, well, you know, started out okay for me. And then it was a, a, a good chunk of 21 was a struggle for me. I was closing. I lost the closer role. And I, that was when I kind of felt a lot of those pressures creep back in mm-hmm. just pressures of like, okay, this is the big leagues. I, like I need to be good today. Um, and I felt, I actually felt I lost some of that freedom and I was trying to be too perfect out there. And um, kind of found it in a couple outings late in 21. And, you know, I think I went into this past year in 22, just thinking, I'm going to do this. Like, that that's the best version of me is a version that goes out there, you know, plays with a looseness, plays with freedom, plays to win, doesn't really care what it looks like. Um, so that's that's what I tried to do last year. Of the moments that you like when you find that in your good last year, you know, you've had a lot of sort of signature <clears throat> moments and, and moments where you've like, okay, you know, this is this is pretty cool, this is pretty cool, this is pretty cool. But being offered a new contract must be pretty cool. You know? Right? I mean, that seemed like it might be pretty cool, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. Oh man, it's uh it's still kind of unbelievable to me. Um, you know, I knew when, you know. Once you get back to the big leagues, you say, okay, I'm here. I'm, I'm making a lot better money than I was coaching. This is great. <laughs> and then you say, okay, well, if I keep this up, you know, I could really, you know, change change things for the better for my family. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not going to lie. It is something you think about. And it's, it, it's not, I don't want to say it's the main reason I play, but it's, it's a huge reason we, we do what we do is to be able to have the chance to go out there and support our families for a long time. So, um, yeah, that was something that was just came about, uh, around the trade deadline last year. And we didn't know if the Rockies would have any interest or if they were looking to trade me. And, um, it was, you know, it was, it was a pretty easy decision once they, once they realized we were pretty close on the numbers and the years and all that, that, you know, I, they've given me so much in Colorado opportunity. Um, they, I made the team when I, you know, a lot of teams wouldn't have let me stick around in 2020. Um, gave me the closer role. 
left me in the closer role when I struggled a couple times. So like they just had given me so much and, and uh, my family loves it there. Um, I do want us to win a lot more games this next mm-hmm. year or two. Um, that's not something that I'm, that's lost on me. I, I winning's way more fun playing on a, even a competitive team up through the end of September is just, there's nothing like it. Um, so I hope we get to experience that, but man, what a cool place to do it. You know, it's the fan base is solid. They really do support us like regardless, which kind of gets looked down upon, but I kind of love that as a player, you know, like we were, we were in last place, you know, in August last year, we're still getting 35,000 people on the weekends. Like as a player, that's awesome. Like right. for me, for me to ha- go out and have to pitch outside of a playoff race, but I've got, but I, when I come in, my music plays and the lights flash and 35,000 people cheer way more fun than doing it in front of, you know, and I see other markets, you know, that are out of it. You look at Pittsburgh's and Arizona and places like that. Like they've got 3000 people in the stands, you know, once, once they're out of it. Um, so as a player, like that's a cool place to play. I don't, I don't care what you, what people think, you know, um, it's, that that beats the heck out of it of of the alternative and i don't care where you are you know you sign in boston boston was the last place team this year so like you're not immune to losing no matter where you go mm-hmm. um yeah there's places that are more likely to be there and be in that race at the end but no matter where you sign or get traded to there's no guarantee that you're going to be pitching in those meaningful games so um for where i'm at in my career and and having a family with three kids. Like I want to be somewhere where I'm treated well. My family's treated well. You know, we enjoy life there and, you know, let's win some more games this year. <laughs> Did you think you were going to be traded? Uh, yeah. Until the contract discussion started. Yeah. I thought for sure. I, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, me old, rel- old reliever on a, <laughs> on a last place team that's having a, uh, one of the better years of his career. Like there's literally not a better trade candidate as far as if on paper. So. But they, they let the, Hey, listen, it's good for you, man. Like that was, I was happy for you when I saw that. Like I said, I thought you were going to be traded. I made all kinds of fake trades to get you places. So, uh, but it worked out. I, I was happy for you. And, um, it sounds like the great things are ahead. I want to go back real quick to um, we had mentioned, you know, we just did, I just did a podcast with Billy Wagner. You said you played with Billy Wagner, um, which by the way, like, like crazy, like solid, crazy, good bullpen. Like you, Wagner and Papelbon. Like, come on, let's go. Yeah. But uh, he mentioned, I want to, so Billy is great, right? And so he He's was awesome. telling us he was telling the story about when he got to Boston. <laughs> he said that he had saw in the paper Pap was like, uh, "Oh yeah, we don't need another old reliever, right?" So Billy comes in and he confronts like Pap right away. So like, "Hey, you know, like you do your job and I'll do mine," and they became good friends. But yeah, do, do you remember like the tension back then? Because this this is fresh in my mind because we just did this podcast. Yes. Well, now that you say that, it's coming back. So I was pit- I had worked my way, I think, into the eighth inning role, like maybe a month before that. And um, Billy obviously bumped me 
back to the seventh. Uh, his 400 saves bumped me back to the <laughs> back to the seventh inning, which I was totally fine with. Uh, I was just happy to be there, and honestly, like Billy was, Billy was as much of a mentor to me as anybody that I Ooh. played with. And wow. it was brief; it was two, it was a well, month a and a half, months. two months we were together. Yeah. And I don't know. I think he's from Virginia. I'm from North Carolina. There was like a little East Coast Southern connection. Uh, you know, we talked hunting and stuff like that. But I think he just saw maybe a little bit of a younger version of him. So he's a, he's a little more country than I am, but, uh, <laughs> we got along really well. And, um, yeah, I think he just, you know, I don't know if the late inning guys who throw hard, I don't know. He, he was great though. He taught me, he taught me a lot about just more the mentality of pitching, pitching in the late innings that I stuff that I still remember. Did you have to like get in between? Did you have to like, hey, hey, Pap, hey, Billy, this all go out to dinner. Let's play nice. Uh, you know, I don't remember the drama. I think I remember it like being talked up by you yeah. guys. Yeah, I don't <laughs> in think the day in the the days leading up, it was like, what's going to happen? Is there going to be a fight when he shows up? And then he showed up, and he was a great guy. Yeah, and Pap, you know, you know, Pap. Pat talks a big game, and then when you go to like actually sit down face to face, he's a good guy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's I, what that's exact. That's exactly what happened. I don't you know? think. Yeah, I don't think. I think that like what he was saying was that exactly what you said, which is Billy was bracing himself, and then he was like, okay, and then it was all was good, and you're on. Well, your it way. was. It was only two years, I think, after they had traded for Gagne too. Is that right? It was yeah, it was it was two years, yeah, and yeah. Billy yeah, said something so kind about, of a, yeah, same same thing, kind of yeah. a similar trade where we were trading for a like legendary closer to throw the eighth inning, and that one didn't work out very well. Yeah, so I think a lot of people were ma- kind of kind of making something of it that it wasn't, but Billy was really good for us. Hey, last thing because I appreciate your time and and jumping on. Uh, I again just. You're going to be very shocked when you go to your door in about a week and see like a pile of T-shirts, which I've promised you over the years. Um, but now I got hoodies too, baseballs and boring hoodies. If I send you, if I send you a bunch of baseballs and boring gear, will you pass it around the Rockies clubhouse? Because I know people Absolutely. like free, I know rich people like free things. <laughs> we love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the last thing is sort of like the, my. I'm always fascinated by the bullpen stuff. And this, I asked Billy this too. It's sort of like you said you're closer, right? And, and, but now you almost have to have two closers because, you know, you talked about being bumped back in the seventh inning. Well, right now, it's almost like you wouldn't be bumped from the seventh into the seventh inning. You would already be the, the second guy is almost in the seventh inning, right? Because that's where the meat of the order is coming up, and then you go through the ninth, and that meat of the order comes up there as well. Like, what is your like perspective of of how bullpens are used? I mean, and this doesn't have to be like how you guys use it, but I'm just as as an educated young man who, who uh, knows the art of uh, the ways of the relief pitchers and the way that, that like the the game is going, right or wrong. Like, what's your take on it? It's uh, yeah. So in Colorado, we. Buddy's pretty traditional. He likes to have a closer. He likes to have a, a primary setup guy. And then he kind of fills in the pieces in the innings before that. Um, 
which I like, you know, as selfishly, you know, it's nice to like know your inning. Uh, I think psychologically guys who have been around a while, guys who are used to that system do better in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I don't think it's the best way to get the most out of your bullpen necessarily. You know, if I was running a team, I'd probably sit my guys down and say, Hey, this is how I'd like to run things. Are you guys comfortable with it? And you might have three guys that say, sure. And you might have one guy that's like, no, I need, I need to know my innings. And you try to work around that. But yeah, I think, I think the best way to run it probably, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's probably like finding spots in the order that match up well for each of your late inning guys. And what, you know, if you're closer, your best reliever, um, if his, you know, he's got four, five, six, seven, that's his spot where he matches up really well and they come up in the seven, mm-hmm. boom, that's who you're running out. But um, at the end of the day, I think as a manager, you got to be okay with not your best reliever potentially blowing the game in the night. Mm. So that's what it comes down to, which as a fan and as, you know, if you're on that team, that's a hard thing to swallow. If you run out your top two relievers in the seventh and eighth and they mow through the the order and then you run your third best reliever out, he might, may, you know, you can tell them that it doesn't matter what inning you throw, but at the end of the day, guys know what a save is. And guys know that saves get you paid in arbitration and free agency. Um, so at the end of the day, if you're a young guy and you get handed that ninth inning with a one run lead and you're not used to that feeling, mm. it's different. So um, that's the one thing. There's a psychological factor to the ninth that there is some guys handle it great out the gate. Some guys, it takes time to adjust. Some guys are just some, some really good relievers that have never been good closers. You keep mm. throwing them out in the ninth and they, you look at their ninth inning numbers in those situations, they're not great, but you keep them in seventh and eighth. They're all stars. They're dominant relievers. I don't know what it is. Um, well, I can tell it's let me, Danny, let me tell you how it is pitching in the ninth inning, having done it so much. It's yeah, let me, let me have it. Yeah. This is actually what Billy, I remember Billy telling me this. this is I told him this. I said, I covered you for like a minute, but I have, I've, if I owed, owed you $5 every time I use it, you would be even richer than you are. Where he said, I remember distinctly at the time that it's different because the ninth inning, the last three outs, the basket, you you know, gripped a little tighter. The, the senses are heightened a little bit more. Everything changes because it's the last three outs. Am I wrong? I mean, I think something happens because you'll see hitters come out of their approach too, you know. And like Papelbon used to benefit from that in a huge way. I'd watch him get swings. You know, he had the whole act and the music and the faces he would make. And I, I, I've talked to opposing hitters. They're like, "F that guy!" Like, I'm go, I'm gonna hit one off his forehead. And then they'd go and swing at a pitch over their head and punch out. And I'm like, nobody swings, nobody ever swings at my fastball, rem- even close to that high. Um, so there's something like you can play into that with the hitters, even, and um, if you can get them out of their game. And that the guys that would never do that in the fourth inning, you know, hmm. they would never chase like that in the fourth, but they'll do it in the ninth um, because what's on the line. And because they say, I got a chance to be a hero. If I, if I can make one good swing and tie this game up off of that guy, I don't like on the mound. 
which plays the guys plays to some pitchers advantage. You know, there's, I don't know if I use that as much, but you got, you know, you got your guys like, you know, Liam Hendricks or Diaz probably a little bit guys who have like really big personas out there on the mound. Um, I think it can work to your advantage if you can pull it off. See, I'm right. I feel like I was vindicated. I'm right about something. There you go. Uh, you know what? Can you sing the national anthem? Not now, but I'm just like, I'm just getting you prepped. Could you sing the national anthem right now if you had to? I mean, not well. No, no, no. I'm no, but the words. I think so. Okay. All right. Just checking. <laughs> this is, if I was managing I, Team USA, it's the first thing I would ask the entire team. So, oh, okay. I got yeah. the Pledge of Allegiance down. That's, <laughs> well, that's if, you were, well if you were in fifth grade, that would be very important. I have three kids under oh, the age of seven. So, oh, so oh, there yeah. you go. All right. Excellent. Yeah. I'm happy. All right. Well, it's always a pleasure. Um, and uh, I, I look forward to your gold medal game, closing things out. And um, you're one of the best. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it, man. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to the Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.